Hello, this is Pastor Shane Jackson from Landrum Independent Baptist Church. We had a tremendous service last Sunday. In fact, I didn't preach but just five minutes before I allowed the people to go into the house. It was one of those services that will be standing as a landmark and monument to the power and presence of God. And so because of that, some of our people who were sick and could not come, those of you that are on the road traveling with work, you could not hear the normal service for the podcast. And so we want to do a, a podcast. It's now Wednesday afternoon. We're going to do a podcast before our service tonight. And I want to do my best to mind the Lord be an encouragement to you. In Jonah chapter number four, I'll read the text, pray, and then share with you what the Lord has laid upon our heart. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. Father, would you help me today? I pray to be a vessel. Forgive me for my sin, my failure. Empty me of my flesh. Cleanse my mind. Purify my heart. Use me. Give me unction from on high. God, help me. No preaching done. There'll be no encouragement on this podcast if you don't do it. We pray, God, that you'd forgive us. I pray you'd deal with some sinner that's lost and draw them to a place of conviction for saints who may have had the mentality of Jonah. Uh, who who looked like uh, ha- maybe have this experience that Jonah's had, wondering why God would have mercy on such a wicked and vile crowd. Lord, would you remind us where we were when you saved us? Remind us of the mess that we were in when you brought us out. Thank you, dear God, for grace. Lord, let us never forget what you've done for us. Help us to preach and share this thought in the podcast and just share this truth and teach a while for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In in Jonah chapter number 7, I believe there is a lesson to be learned. I want to start it uh, with a statement. I believe for every Christian, for every believer, for every servant of God, there is a Nineveh waiting on you. I believe in Jonah chapter number 4, we learn a couple things. I believe believe I'll just sum it up with two subtopics. In other words, uh, there is the message of Calvary in Jonah chapter number 4. This is a message that I find in verse number 7. Unlike, and in in reality, it probably encompasses verse 5 through verse number 8. But then there is the mandate or the mission given to those who've been to Calvary. There is the mission... Amen. That is left for us to carry out the mandate, the to the great commission, the the good news that needs to be carried out, and we find that in verse number nine through verse number eleven. We find out in Jonah chapter number four that it is the second time and only the second time that the prophet Jonah has a recorded prayer in the Scripture. The first prayer is in Jonah chapter number two. He is needing to be saved and spared. He is. Uh, he is saying, admitting that salvation is of the Lord, and he and he asked God to have mercy on him from the belly of the whale and and the gastric juices in the digestive system of this whale, in this miraculous fish that God provided. 
It was a prepared whale, a preserving whale, a pictured whale. When that whale beached himself in, in chapter number 3 in, in Jonah or in chapter number 2 and verse number 10 and vomited Jonah out on the land, he, he leaves there with the gastric juices and looks back at that whale and sees the picture of an empty tomb. In fact, Jesus, I believe... Uh, identifies the fact that Jonah learned his lesson and that I hope we will learn in Jonah chapter 4. That is that we are to be soul winners and winners of souls and share the gospel and the great news and not take offense but celebrate when someone gets saved. I believe that's the lesson learned. We don't need our life to end in a negative chapter 4. We need our life to to be... uh, Littered with chapter threes, having an impact, sharing the good news, seeing people repent and return and to Christ. And, and so I believe that. Uh, in chapter number two, he prays the best prayer in the worst of places. And then we find in Jonah four, in chapter number uh, four, in verse number two, he prays the worst prayer in the best of places. Isn't that how we are a lot of times? Uh, I've been thinking a lot on, uh, there's all kinds of preaching on how to make it through the valley. Uh, But my goodness, we get relaxed sometimes on the mountaintop, and we need to know, and we need to we need to study, we need to dig in, and and how to stay true when we're not blue, because times of triumph often bring times of testing, and so we need we need by the grace of God, we need the grace of God to uh, rejoice in the goodness of God and realize we are recipient of grace and mercy. And we need to be the uh, that ambassador of truth so that we can be ministers of reconciliation. We need to be spreaders of the gospel. And, and, and Jonah has lost sight of that. I believe he takes it personal. I believe there's a personal vendetta he has. Not just the evil that the Ninevites have done to the people of God in general. But I believe there must be something more personal. I believe Jonah looks back and he's grew up on land that's been passed down. That's been inherited. It, it's land that wasn't for sale, it wasn't for trade, it's inherited land, it's allotted land, it's land that God has deeded uh, the tribes and the children of Israel. And 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 so lessons and, and truths have been told. These are a murderous, vicious, vindictive, violent people, the Ninevites. Uh, they would murder. They would uh, that they were malicious in their intent. They were malicious in their actions. Uh, they would murder. They would mount heads like deers in the dining hall. Uh, they would maim bodies. Uh, they they would uh, mutilate bodies. I mean, they were violent people, and it wasn't just what they did. But I think maybe Jonas looking back at innocent babies they had killed, innocent uh, women and children they had killed, and and God had to remind Jonah, hey, listen, Jonah, if I destroy Nineveh, then there's 120,000. We find that in chapter 4, verse number 11, the mandate. Let's let's skip. We'll go back to the to the message of Calvary. Let's get right into the, the mandate, the mission that we are to carry from Calvary. A, a lesson learned, the value of a soul. Jonah had to learn the value. It, it should not be placed on the temporal shelter, the shade, but should be placed on the eternal, the souls, the sinners that are dying and going to hell. It shouldn't be placed on material comfort, but on spiritual truths and eternal things. 
Jonah pitied a gourd. And he long, but Jonah seemingly did not pity a soul, did not pity a people. And he had to learn a valuable lesson that God loves people, loves all people, loves every people, no matter what kind of people they are. And God loves people. Amen. And there, there is a picture there of a soul winner, how we need to share the gospel. And he said, look, Jonah, if I kill Nineveh for the wrath of all of their wicked, there is 120,000 that can't discern the left and right. It's children that are innocent and they'll die under the judgment of God. And you say you have innocent people. Well, Jonah, you want me to destroy that crowd? And they themselves are 120,000 people. There's probably 6,000 600,000 people and probably 120,000 of them are innocent. And he said, and then not, not just that, but he said, Jonah, you're, you're pitying the gourd. You're pitying the gourd. You see, that gourd grew up in verse number 6, and the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. You see, Jonah had tried, hey man, not just the mission from Calvary, but let's look at the message of Calvary. Jonah had tried with his own works. Hey, Jonah had tried with his own hands to build a booth in verse number 5. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow that he might see what would become of the city. As if to, as if to say they'll mess up and I want to watch God roast them. I want to watch God burn them down. But listen oh my listen it wasn't enough and even though Jonah had asked God to kill him in his in his prayer in verse number 3 why didn't God do it? Because God is merciful. Why didn't God give us what he give him what he asked for? Why don't God give us what we asked for? We deserve it as much as Jonah. But sometimes thank God for grace and mercy intervening. Amen. And Jonah tried by his own works to provide shade from the fury. But it, but it wasn't enough. And so God allowed a, a gourd to grow over his head. It was a temporal gourd. It was an earthly gourd. It was something that grew up overnight. And, and the thought crossed my mind one day when I was studying this truth. I, I couldn't understand it. I, 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 God let this gourd grow up over his head. He was merciful to him. The booth didn't provide enough shade. Maybe he thought this little plant. And so he mourned over the gourd because notice what happened. Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd in verse number 6. He took comfort in the gourd. He took rest in the gourd. It, the gourd was something that would grow up naturally in the world. It was something that would grow, but God let it grow up. And this gourd wasn't just any gourd. This gourd was a poisonous gourd. Now, preacher, you say that what's significant about that was in 2 Kings 4. That same poisonous gourd that would have poisoned the pot is now growing up over Jonah's head. And notice what the Bible said, and God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd. Oh, pre preacher, well, I never saw this. Uh, child of God, I never saw this. Uh, you see, it seems little importance in chapter 4 why God would allow uh, this worm to consume this poison gourd. And, and the Bible said he smoked that gourd and it withered. You see there, my friend, is a picture of Calvary. And, and then verse number 8, it came to pass when the sun did rise. Amen. God prepared a vehement east wind. 
and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. What happened to the shelter? It's gone. God allowed a warm wind of conviction to blow and the gourd is gone. The shelter is gone. And the worm seems to have taken the very poison. You say, preacher, what difference does that make? Well, friend, made all the world difference when I found out what that worm meant. That word, that worm is the same red worm, crimson worm, that was used, hallelujah, that was used, amen, to dye the scarlet thread that Rahab the harlot let out her window. It's the same worm, the scarlet worm, that was used to dye the tabernacle tapestries that pointed to the blood of Christ. It is the same scarlet worm that was used to dye some of the clothing of the high priest. And it is also the same worm that in Psalms chapter number 22, when Jesus says, I am a worm despised, and rejected a man. Great God, He is a worm. That is that worm, that toe a worm. And for Him, when we can see that, the Lord is letting us see that man's own works, his own ability to shelter himself with his own self-righteous and good deeds will not be shelter enough. Oh no, it will not be shelter enough. What the world can provide, that plant, that temporal thing that, that comes up uh, in this world, uh, it will not provide what we need. Oh no, but thank God that worm, uh, that, that, that worm consumed that gourd. It was a poisonous gourd. And aren't you glad that one day Jesus, uh, amen, went to Calvary. Hallelujah. You see, uh, this worm, uh, this worm has, lives its life uh, with the, with the desire to one day attach itself uh, to the trunk of a tree. And when it's fixed there, uh, when it's um, attached to that tree, uh, those eggs inside of its body, uh, amen, will begin uh, to flow out of it uh, in that red crimson flow. Uh, you can see all the little lives uh, scurrying from that worm. And as this worm dies, uh, this crimson fluid stained by the body now that thank God runs down the wood and the dead body of this worm, this scarlet worm, amen, thank God, it gives life to those little babies, they tell me, thank God Jesus is telling us, amen he is the scarlet worm he is the red worm that positioned himself on the tree he attached himself to the tree. Oh, bless His name. Thank God in Genesis and chapter number 3 and verse number 21 He told Adam and Eve that the fig leaves ain't enough but it's going to take the bloody skins of an innocent lamb. Amen. And Jonah in chapter number 4 and verse number 7 He's telling Jonah that your shelter's not enough. The earthly temporal gourd is not enough. 
Amen. But I want you to see a picture, Jonah. You're going to see what Abraham didn't see on the Jehovah Jireh on Mount Moriah. You're going to see what Israel didn't see. Jehovah Rapha, that tree that heals the beer waters and makes it sweet. You're going to see a picture of Calvary. You see, Calvary is death to all man's efforts to provide salvation for himself. Amen. I do not frustrate the grace of God for it's righteousness come by my own deeds or by the works of the law then Christ is dead in vain Calvary is God's answer to all human effort your works will never be enough the fragile poisonous plan of death will never be enough but Christ devoured our poison in his passion to provide our pardon amen Jonah placed his hope and comfort in a shade of something temporary but he's saying this God Calvary is God's answer to all man's effort. Amen. Thank God the worm is an answer to man's effort. The picture of love. That worm gave its life. Consumed that plant. Amen. Bore that sin. And Jesus became the worm. Amen. He gave his life. He became the serpent on the pole. Hallelujah. Have you, have you been building a booth of your own works? Hoping to find shelter from the flames of hell? Have you taken refuge under the temporal gourd of worldly comfort? Abandon your efforts and run to Calvary. Come quickly and be saved. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, Jonah, man was reminded of the mandate, the mission that he had to see souls saved. Don't get the attitude of Jonah. Don't think to yourself I deserve to be loved but others don't I deserve mercy but others don't oh no if it hadn't been for the mercy of God sending his only son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life and when Jesus died at Calvary consuming the wrath of almighty God amen dying for your sin and mine but consuming consuming our poison and through his death and that crimson flow he gives life to all that will come and believe and verse number 8 the sun did arise a man in the vehement warm wind of conviction blew over our soul and we fainted curled up in a fetal position crumbled under conviction in the hand of God's sovereignty a man and came to the Lord and said I deserve to die. It's better for me to die. I deserve hell. It's at that moment that you can learn the message of Calvary as Jonah learned and, and jump in with both hands and both feet and, and do the mandate. Carry out the mission. Amen. Conduct the ministry. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Christ devoured our poison in His passion. Amen. We can be like Jonah and end our life in chapter 3. May they learn the lesson. Oh God, help us to spread the good news. It's a soul winning book. It's a soul winning chapter. And just as sure as Jesus has saved us, we can share the truth with others so that they might be saved. I know it's a quick thought. Nothing many people probably haven't seen before, but I never would have thought that through that red worm, that red worm of Jonah's gourd, Jonah is going to be reminded of the love of God. 
Amen. He stripped Jonah of all his own righteousness when he saw the picture of Christ on the cross. He saw the supreme demonstration of the love of God for sinners. Jonah should have rejoiced instead of being down there on the street, running the street, shouting the victory that souls got saved. He's up there pouting instead of shouting. And so God reminds him of how ungodly his action is. Points him in figure by means of a worm. That it wasn't just going to be a Jew. That it wasn't just going to be good. But it wasn't just for the Ninevites. It was for all Gentiles and for Gentiles and for all who would believe. Amen. And even though like Jonah, man often rebels against God. Finds fault with God. Blames God. Disobeys God. Criticizes how God works. God in long-suffering and mercy. Amen. Provides salvation by giving His Son to die on the cross until he prophetically cries I am a worm so come with me church come with me sinner and close him once more to Calvary and see the son of God the creator of the universe hanging in shame and nakedness blood streaming from his head his hands, his back, his feet and his brow, the sun beating mercilessly upon his body around him stands a howling shrieking crowd, they spit they mock him. Amen. They jeer at him. Was it crimes that he done that he grown on a tree? Amazing pity. Grace unknown. Love beyond degree. Oh, thank God for sinners who will run and be saved. Today is the day and now's the time. Oh, what a price. Amen. God values and puts on a soul. So high of a value that he sheds his blood. For a sinner like you and a sinner like me, God bless you, is my prayer.